0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. For all of you who listen to our show with any regularity, you know that from the weekly newsletter that we send out to some 70,000 people across the world that our guest tonight is... uh, I'm not even quite sure how to introduce him because I've never been asked to introduce such a reincarnation before in my life at least so far, but you know those of you who visit us at www.abetterworld.tv and receive the newsletter or see us on Facebook on A Better World Media, etc. know that my guest this evening is the American-born Reincarnation of the Avatar, the Buddha, Buddha Maitreya, the Christ And this is uh, an extraordinary moment for me personally As well as no doubt for you, all of you who are listening To tune in and hear the words of such a one And uh, I'll be asking some questions to first of all come to an understanding of what this actually means how he himself knows who he is the embodiment of and from there I will move on to I guess I would call them more practical questions of what is the actual relevance of this and for us we humans at this point in time and this particular historical period which is so rife with conflict, with sadness, with complexity with unconsciousness and ignorance. Many of the poisons that the Gautama Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha, was dealing with really back then, some approximately 2,500 years ago. And in fact, Jesus the Christ was also dealing with some 2,000 or so years ago. So it's kind of curious that life on Earth hasn't changed all that much while we have many new accoutrements and different kinds of technologies and a different level of uh, luxury and leisure in some ways today than we had then, certainly sanitation uh, and tremendous interesting imaginative breakthroughs that serve us today, no question of that the fundamental consciousness of humans doesn't seem to be radically different, I'm sorry to say, and this is something I would like very much for Buddha Maitreya to be weighing in on, and he will be uh, after this introduction, and I introduce him all to all of you. Born in Oregon in 1951, enthroned and given Ceremonies of Recognition, Within all the major Tibetan Buddhist lineages, Buddha Maitreya has been recognized since he was nine years old. He is a meditator and a healer, and his life is largely surrounding the ancient notion of harmlessness, which I also take as a modern rendition of the notion of nonviolence which was, of course, a large part of the Buddhist teachings back at the time of Shakyamuni Buddha himself. Since 1975, Buddha Maitreya has offered healing centers in the West, providing meditation and self-healing through energy medicine. This includes his own Shambhali healing tools, which is a very interesting array of sacred geometrical technologies which radiate his monadic soul-filled blessings, making it easier for people to gain the benefits of self-healing and meditation. For the last 20 years, Buddha Maitreya has supported the practical daily needs of monks and nuns in Tibet, India, and Nepal, restoring sacred sites, rebuilding monasteries in Tibet, and providing new prayer halls in India. He has offered free clinics and treatment centers in Nepal to provide basic medical services to those most in need. In 2006, together with his wife Mandurava Thada, he founded the Buddha Maitreya Shambhalak Vajradhara Monastery in Lake County, California just north of Sonoma, such beautiful country. It's a planetary healing and wellness center designed with sacred geomancy. Well, I've gotta say I'm I'm just altogether too eager to introduce you all to Buddha Maitreya. So without further ado, I will do exactly that. Buddha Maitreya, are you there with me today?
2: Yes, I am, yeah.
1: I'm very glad to welcome you to a better world.
2: Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Be great. Oh, I'm so did. glad. I'm sorry? I was just saying it would be great when it is a better world.
1: Isn't it true? And so I, interestingly, named the show and my organization A Better World as a, a way of invoking that idea. So every time we say it, we may be actually helping to manifest it. So I, I'm sure you were on to that. Interesting yep. notion. <laughs> so, well welcome you, Buddha Maitreya. It's so nice to meet you, and I'm honored and deeply uh, privileged to be able to chat with you on our, on our radio show that we're on every single week here in New York. Um, let me ask you to start with, if you wouldn't mind, uh, the whole notion of your being the reincarnation of the Buddha himself, as I was making reference to in my opening, and the Christ. Could you just describe to our audience a little bit about how you began to identify yourself or uh, began to have some sense that that was
2: the case? Well, it started very early, uh, probably around when I was two. Uh, I started having very long dream periods of where I wouldn't wake up, for as many as seven to ten days, and during that process, I would have experiences of reliving previous lives, like Krishna or Jesus or uh, many different, very powerful historical lives. But when you're two years old, you know nothing about such things. So of it course, my life up. It, it was like an everyday reality. I wasn't the person. I hadn't developed my person yet. I was only two. So my real experience in life is these previous lives. And so for almost seven years, all the way till I was nine, I would have these dream cycles for long periods of time, Padmasamhava, many, many, many different incarnations that pretty much covered the entire life. And um, so by the time I was nine years old, uh, three uh, Tibetan Rinpoches sent by... The Panchen Lama uh, was sent to our house uh, and uh, knocked on the door and told my parents that they were seeking the reincarnation of uh, Buddha Maitreya and that I was their child and they would like to meet me. And they freaked out. <laughs> uh, they had no idea anybody, you know, anybody was like that. And that
1: and your be- parents were. What was your own? Uh, family's lineage were what was your derivation
2: huh, my my father's american indian he's blackfoot and pretty my much f- all blackfoot and uh mm-hmm. so he's really made up american and um and has been having you know throughout his life he had a hard time because in the 50s you don't get employed in america if you're an american indian so yes. He, uh, the only, his employment, the only one that he had was the military, you know, and after that, it was like really a big struggle. Just that was
1: fairly he, common, right. Yeah. And how about your mother?
2: Well, she was uh, one quarter American Indian, looked a lot more white, you know, so she was a waitress and tried to do what she could to maintain, you know, some kind of livelihood for us all. And my dad Surely. was struggling through the whole process. Yeah. So but the
1: rest of her was Anglo, in yeah. some respect. Is that correct? And yes. one portion yeah, native. Yeah, all okay.
2: American. Okay.
1: Yes. Interesting. Interesting. And so then, so you had this, you had your own form of recognition, and your it's almost like because you didn't have your own identity by age two, no one does. You were more filled. Past identities, if you will, that were exactly. flooding your psyche and your consciousness, sort of informing you of who you were as perhaps a, an indicator of who you were then in this life to become.
2: Exactly, yeah. And you know, it's not uncommon when it comes down to recapitulation of previous lives. There are many young yes. children that um, just have dreams or immediate impressions when they see something They have memories flooding their mind from events, circumstances that are all about their previous life. And if they follow through on it, they can actually go back and remember the location, the addresses, family, the whole bit. Yes,
1: I know. We've heard these stories. Absolutely. You know, you're reminding me of a film that, uh, forgetting the name of it, but it sounds so much, Buddha Maitreya, that it's... Following in the um, footsteps of what it is you're describing, and I believe it was an American-born avatar that yeah. manifested.
2: Yeah, Little are Buddha. you aware
1: of what I'm referring to?
2: Yeah, in London, uh, it's a movie called Little Buddha.
1: That's it. Yes.
2: Yeah. And what happened yes. was that in London, back in the uh, late '80s, I was teaching, and uh, I didn't uh, present myself as Buddha Maitreya because I hadn't externalized to Tibetan Buddhism to receive all my ceremonies. So mm-hmm. I was just telling people and teaching everything about the process of the coming and the changes in the world due to that process. And in that, I was explaining uh, a little bit about the reality of uh, Maitreya having the, the, the lineage of three lamas come to his home and that he was recognized as a very young and all this stuff. And they took that, literally. The writer who wrote Little Buddha was <laughs> so in the class and took that information <laughs> and came to me and asked me if they oh can actually my. rewrite the script and make this available for people to understand. So I let them do it, and that's how it came about. That
1: is so interesting how everything comes full circle, no pun intended, I tell you. And so when the llamas came to your family's house, uh, much to the surprise, of course, of your parents, um, were you also surprised, or did it feel like a natural kind I, of I uh, not,
3: visit?
2: Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, because I no. always myself, I always called myself Christ or Buddha as a child. You did. Yeah? I see. yeah, yeah, and so I meditated all the time, and I always saw myself as this person. Yeah, and I yeah. saw no no problem in the fact that Jesus reincarnated and Buddha reincarnated as from Buddha to Jesus. That was just a natural order for me because here I was reincarnated again. You know, so I spoke like that as a child. And when these lamas came up, uh, it didn't shock my mother as much as it did my father because my father didn't want to pay any attention to it,
1: mm-hmm. and my mother. Mm-hmm.
2: God, this is everything my son says.
1: So interesting. And so, did they take you with them? What they tried what was the
2: next step. Yeah, they. Um, well, in Tibet, uh, people believe that it's a real big honor when high lamas come and say that you have, have the reincarnation of another being, high lama. Yes, indeed. And want to take you back to the monastery and all that stuff. That's like of not course common in Tibet or India. Or Nepal. But in America, that is just totally not something that happens ever, you know. Yes. So they right. were in shock, and they thought – they they could not think anything positive. They got really angry. My father got extremely angry and just threw them out of the house. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. My, <laughs> brother, uh,
2: my brother's four years older yeah. than me, so he witnessed everything, and he – he remembers it yeah. really clearly, so he's the one who brought Gosh. it back up to me and tells me about it and says how fascinating it was. You know that you know all of that was happening and and yet I wasn't allowed to further it at the time when I was nine.
1: You know, uh, we both know, and just for the sake of the audience, uh, that the phenomenon you're referring to when some uh, senior monks arrive at the home of a Tibetan family uh, with the child, such as happens with uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, or the Trungpa um, lineage, or the Karmapa lineage, or the other great lineages of the Tibetan Buddhists. Uh, Of course they are given tests with different kinds of um, sacred objects, and depending on the on the reaction of the infant or the child really uh to those objects and the look in the eye any number of different uh kind of variables and phenomena they will identify as you were saying who is the incarnation and that is as you said common there but none unknown here but here it is in uh your family that same kind of phenomenon was happening. So you were recognized at that time, and then what did you do? Just carry on and go to school with all of your classmates and carry on a normal, quote unquote, normal American life.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Um, I had no other choice. Uh, you well, that know, is I, you stay awesome. out of the house until you're 18. Uh, you have no legal right. rights, whatsoever, especially during that age, 1951. You know, I was born. You know, so yes. uh, it, it was a – I took it pretty well because I had all my recapitulation dreams and I had a very strong connection of my meditation and knew that as I grew older, these responsibilities I would be able to take on and make my own choices as to how they evolved. You know, so I didn't really have any yes. real problem with it. My difficulty was uh, entering regular school and uh, – Listening to the shit that people had to say in school, it really really blew my mind. I could not not deal with uh, everyday school uh, simply because it wasn't true. Uh, I didn't feel it was true, and it made me feel very uncomfortable. So I spent most of my time in the library questioning what I was being taught, and I taught myself. Yeah. So I couldn't really pass all their tests because my answers weren't the same, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then they right. found out later that most history books and everything were wrong, and you know, so yep. I, I did yep. a good job. I made it through. Yes, yeah,
1: exactly. We know that the uh, history books are written by the victors, not the others, so they get to write it the way they see it. It's an interesting parallel, actually, Buddha Maitreya, because if you think about it. Uh, the historical Buddha that we refer to, Gautama Buddha, uh, was also in many respects lied to by his own family, uh, where he was denied awareness and any knowledge about old age, sickness, and death, as the story has it. And he had to discover that also on his own by, you know, traipsing through the kingdom with a buddy of his, and they saw, you know, old men and sickly people, and the, he at first as a prince went, my God, I guess he said that, something like that, uh, the Pali or version, what is that? And he didn't even recognize it, and he had to get educated, that is by himself, on his own right. merits, if you will. So it's an interesting parallel, you know, even to this day.
2: Well, every incarnation of the same person always has to go through self-realization and self-actualization. Jesus, Uh, it doesn't matter. Exactly. When it's the avatar, that's it. It's self-realization. When it comes down to humanity, then it usually is through a teacher and passing on through a lineage. But it starts with the avatar.
1: That's right. Could you speak a little bit, and then I want to move on to other things. I don't want this to... We have some time, but Uh, I I felt my first obligation was to explore this domain with all due respect uh, for our listening audience, because you have to realize, and I know you do, the profundity of writing in a Better World newsletter that people receive all over the world every week, that my guest tonight is going to be Buddha Maitreya, the incarnation of the historical Buddha, and not only that, but also Christ. So could you say a word and about the Christic aspect of your uh, claim that that is also you?
2: Yeah, I know. It, it's a real shocker for most people because they, they think it's a one life we live and, you know, party it out or, you know, do whatever you do in yeah. that one life. You know, and, you know, yes. you, can, you can believe all you want. Yeah, and sure. But the truth is is that we do reincarnate and the truth is that yes. if you are Jesus and you reincarnate, you're not going to reincarnate as a taxi driver. You know, you're going to reincarnate yeah. as Jesus again, but it won't come up as the term Jesus. It depends on the place and the time and the circumstances and the name that's given sure. you. Sure.
1: The cultural you know? conditions, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. But every time it, it lays out a destiny because it is the avatar, it's a very sequential beautiful destiny of externalization. So for the avatar it always comes to a recapitulation and the process continues a circle, continues going. You know, so like from where Buddha was Buddha and Buddha was teaching a teaching on a specific area, then Jesus would come, well he's much more free to take that up and start over and start again and begin the process of teaching on even a higher level, you know. So Indeed. Yeah, indeed. so that's the only way this works, is by the process of those previous lives always coming in and always recapitulating and always continuing the process of the thread of recapitulation or evolution.
1: Yes, indeed. You know, you're reminding me of a comment that, Uh, One of my teachers, Choygyam Chungpa Rinpoche, said uh, many years ago, probably back in the uh, early 80s, when he said, look, the next Buddha will probably be coming back as an insurance salesman from New Jersey. So don't be surprised. Just have your eyes open and recognize him for who he is. (laughs) So I was contemplating that when I, you know, heard of you, and yeah. uh, I just kind of chuckled to myself, you know.
2: Yeah, now I'm not an insurance agent, yeah. but at least I am an American. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, and it wasn't New Jersey, it was Oregon. Well, you know, ah, yeah. I, I I have to say that uh, when I was thinking about you and contemplating uh, and preparing for the interview and writing up the newsletter, Buddha Maitreya, you know, after the shock after speaking with two people very close to you, Ani, Melanie, and Lama Daniel, who were very helpful, by the way, in helping to prepare me for this interview, I was thinking simply by myself and thinking, you know, when do avatars arrive on the planet Earth? The historical understanding, of course, is that they arrive at times of greatest conflict. They arrive at the times when humanity is making a desperate, yearning call for assistance from a higher level because they've gotten themselves into so much hot water left to their own reptilian-style devices, you know, and they need a higher level of intelligence to come. If you look at the time of the historical Buddha, if you look at the time of, uh, of Jesus, the rabbi, and now it only makes sense. So that was the corner I turned in my own meditative process and mentation, uh, in preparing to have you on, that it's absolutely perfectly sensible in our evolutionary cycle, and I should say involutionary cycle, that you would be showing up here and in a country, by the way, that leads the world in some very interesting ways down both the higher evolutionary scale, but I've got to also say I feel, and I'd love to be uh, you know, corrected if I'm wrong, down the involutionary scale as well, if it can be imagined, you know, paradoxically at the same time. So look, I'm just so happy to make your acquaintance and to introduce you to our audience here at A Better World. We reach a number of people. We've been on the air for many years and uh, the show gets listened to live and then it gets archived and people really around the world do tune in, I'm very, very you know, pleased and honored to say. So to share the airwaves with you uh, and to have your message get across is really uh, a true blessing, and I, I want to thank you for coming on. I would like to uh, shift then into, uh, first if you would just talk about the, the Christ aspect, because it sounds like, just in terms of lineage, the avatar began with Krishna from this perspective, and then manifested, externalized as the Buddha, the awakened one, and then as Jesus the Christ. Is that a correct understanding? And now no, you?
2: Not really, um, but, oh, but it me. is correct when it comes down to those are incarnations of the same person. Yeah, it's just that. Krishna oh, okay. About- yeah, it, it started way, 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 way long before that. But Way the, before, yeah. Way before. But the Krishna incarnation in human history, in human understanding, and in the ability for us to be affected within the cycle of our historical vibration, the energy of our history, we can go back as far as Krishna and have a very strong relative effect from that avatar. And that is an initiatory pretty much an initiatory kind of uh, avataric incarnation that really made the incarnation of the avatar present. So a great deal of the further incarnations that will happen with this same being will be represented from that incarnation. So let's say that Krishna incarnates in India, he incarnates through the process of India at a time say 5,000 years ago, And at that time, no one's aware of the lunar lords or the demonic reality of humanity and the way in which humanity is set up. And Krishna's incarnation had the ability for him to have revelation to see on the other side, see what was really demonic, what was possessed, what was evil. And despite the fact that it looked like it was okay, it looked like it was just a lake or a mountain or a person, that Krishna was able to recognize, discern, and discriminate, and be able to bless and change that process so that what was at that time controlling energetically the planet to lunar qualities or evil qualities was healed. So a great deal of uh, cycles of energy that was extremely demonically controlling over the planet was cleared and healed and changed and initiated at the time of Krishna. So it was from that time on, Krishna, even at the end of his life, he said that when I leave my body, there'll be, the next incarnation will be a Buddha, Sardartha Buddha, Gautama. So he gave recognition to what to look for. And it was a long time later, 2,500 years or so later, until Gautama Buddha incarnated and was recognized, but there's a lot of people in India that don't put the two together, that don't go, oh, that's what Krishna said, that he would incarnate as Gautama Buddha. So Mm -hmm. off comes two separate religions as though they're separate, and, and then some people put them together thinking, well, that's where it must have started, Krishna and then Buddha and then Jesus, and it goes from there. But that's really about as far back as humanity can look in order to get some kind of cognitive or a way of discerning, discriminating, a sense of that could be real. And historically, we could see some of the history of Krishna and the energy of lineage of teachings of India and actually put it together. We can see where Jesus and Krishna and all of the Buddha teachings are linked and their recapitulation are connected. Like when I came to the I had to sit in front of many monasteries, and each one had high lamas that were previously incarnated and in the presence of myself. So they would then ask me questions that would directly relate to my previous life, and I would answer them without any research or anything, and I answer them and answer the relationship to the valley that I was in and the location of circumstances that happened in that valley through history. I would know that. And to them, that was a proof of the fact that I historically am a part of a recapitulation lineage, and I'm reincarnated, and it's easy for them to then recognize. Yeah, so I'm... Now... Yeah, go ahead. Please, go on. Well, I'm just saying, in in that process, we can historically, just like in the lineage of these particular tukus, they're called tukus in Tibet, people who are recognized reincarnations many of the Tukus have to recognize their masters who die and then reincarnate, like the Dalai Lama, yes. the Panchen Lama. And so Indeed. that was the same case with me. And how they do that is that they actually go back to historical events or objects, and then that person yes. remembers those things as though they're there. There's no separation between them, and that's what happens with me. So sure, I, I understand. But what... and... Yep.
1: Well, what I came across in the material I was reading about you uh, was that you were recognized by the lineages, the uh, Tibetan lineages as perhaps uh, that you were Padmasambhava Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that you were Milarepa. Uh, Yes.
2: Yes, but yeah, that, that does people.
1: not mean the Buddha himself.
2: No, these are all reincarnations of Buddha during the process when imagine uh, Krishna incarnates, but life in the future, another 5,000 years, is really terrible, and uh, the people that are involved, incarnated, are not enlightened, not capable of discerning, discriminating. And the future lives of that avatar are to try and synthesize, to heal. And bring about change, reform. In the process, mm-hmm. where change cannot happen, you know. So yes. every incarnation that happens after these major incarnations are reformers. So in comes yes. Samhava, He's a reformer. He's not recognized as a Buddha, but he's recognized as a master teacher who reforms the foundation of Buddhism and creates Tibetan Buddhism. And then yes. later, exactly.
0: Exactly. he
2: reincarnates as Songkaapa, even as Milarepa. And when he incarnates in these people, he's actually straightening out all the misinterpretations of other teachers that are not that clear. And they're screwing things up when it comes down to enlightenment and the path of humanity. So in comes yes. another reformer, reforms it, tries to let go of all that stuff and get people back on track. So this keeps exactly. going on and on and on and on. No, I understand. We
1: are speaking with Buddha Maitreya, the Christ, here at A Better World Radio. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Those of you who know us well uh, are enjoying the presence of today's guest, as I am, I am sure. As you know, we're on every Wednesday. We also have a weekly television show every Monday evening at 7 p.m. here in New York City, which can also be watched online, so please join us for that as well. And now, Monday evenings on Progressive Radio Network, I've begun a new radio program there called The Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin, where we are reviewing progressive films about the environment, about social justice, about the issues that are very pressing for humanity at this point in time, and film is the medium that we are reviewing as the agent for understanding. So please join me for all of these every week, if you would, and visit our website at www.abetterworld.tv It's kind of hard to forget the phrase, a better world, and then just add TV to it and get on our newsletter if you don't get it yet and uh, join our family. So, Buddha Maitreya, let's continue. I would love to uh, really kind of unearth, if you will, your uh, teachings for our time today. As I was saying at the beginning, unfortunately, the evolutionary spiral upward seems to have gotten thwarted at a number of times. Uh, stages along the way where greed and the way I put it was the reptilian function of our whole brain system seems to continue to dominate our consciousness most unfortunately without developing and cultivating the higher mind, the higher brain that of course Buddhist and science and psychology has always been about the development of compassion the development really of of love and uh appreciation and respect for all sentient life could you talk about what is the essence of your teaching for us all today as we find ourselves in this incredibly precipitous moment in uh human history i really yeah. want to give you the floor to ah, to share your message
2: yeah we we Humanity is, is historically, uh, it's hard for us to look back and say, um, you know, is our evolution in the worst spiraling effect of going into negativity of the outcome? But I believe that our process in humanity has been altered in a positive way to where, imagine back in the 60s when we had a problem with Cuba and there was nuclear war sitting on the edge of the possibilities in the world. And we had just finished dropping a nuclear bomb, several of them, in Japan, and that we're in a process of negotiating, uh, you know, whether or not we have an arms race and complete nuclear destruction. And at the same time, here I'm incarnated and I'm quietly going about what I'm doing, helping to make change into the process of consciousness in humanity. And for every negative thing, for every glamour, there is a virtue. For every vice, there's a virtue. So my project, my energy, my mission in life is to transform, transfigure, and transmute every glamour into a virtue. So imagine we're building rockets, and we're ready to blow up the world, and we're making nuclear devices – and I'm doing everything I can to create the opposite to that reality, which did manifest into the reality of us landing on the moon with these same rockets and us putting satellites out into around the globe so we can communicate and better understand the changes in the world and make possibly world peace in the world yes. in the process of our evolution. You could
1: say from swords into plowshares.
2: Exactly and that 's my that 's what I see i I see yeah we we have nuclear uh, possible nuclear power plants and everything and the destruction of Japan that went on there, and where we could go if we were to move things in that direction and continue with fossil fuel and continue with coal and all the things that were we seem we have no way out of, but I believe that the glamors is what causes us to veil ourselves to the revelation of change and to see the mm. change and make the changes that it takes in order to make something take its place. Like if you make a missile, change it from a missile to a rocket to a possibility of sending a satellite. Where you actually mm-hmm. have revelations of how you could use the same thing and change it to something that's actually harmless. You know, so yes everything in virtue is harmless and brings about healing, regeneration, vitality and longer life. Yeah? So that's really from that harmful sense.
1: to harmless.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's right. In every way, I hear you. in every single way. And it now, causes- how do you discrimination
1: What is the process by which understanding the importance of discrimination when you were dealing with world leaders, for instance, who seem hell-bent, no pun intended there, uh, on helping to enrich the uh, largest corporations that are often fossil fuel uh, corporations or they are military corporations whose actual business is armaments and war How, what kind of conversation, Buddha Maitreya, would you pose to have with, um, with men, especially, who are so committed to the aggregation of profit, but more than anything, you could say power through money
2: well, personally i believe that the only way it could be done is through the power and the influence of god creating a a vibration in that person to literally create a rebirth yeah and that's you know yes. like going to do start a new church or you know some kind of process in order to get people into a new belief system that might work better than what's going on now i believe that it's a science, it's an energetic science, just like you would in homeopathy or energetic medicine to acupuncture, it's an energetic science, and that it's an unapplied science very much in, in our world today, but it's one that will be applied more and more and more in the future. Like today, I in my science, I work a lot with sacred geomancy and sacred geometric forms, and tools that radiate the energy locked inside the human being that has the ability to lay on hands or radiate a protected blessing to someone that's outside of space and time and actually has an effect on them. And there are, are few people that have the ability to do that. And if that could be increased, if that influence of that healing ability in all of us could be increased, we could make the difference between that glamour energy that Myic energy that's being transmitted astraly out into the world that people are constantly accepting and going along with and keeping themselves in mundane reality, if the energy of light and love could be increased and increased in the way that it actually settles into our DNA, into our genetic yes. mainstream, into our process of our planet, then the planet itself can radiate up into people. So I work with pyramids. Like the Great Pyramid. And mm-hmm. I'm not alone. There are a lot of people who go, Oh, pyramid power, that's an interesting thing, yeah. But in this You process, bet it is. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: In in this
1: process, I understand. You you were you were harkening back to uh you know, I interviewed uh, Robert Thurman not long ago on a book he had written about the importance of his holiness the Dalai Lama in our world, both literally, physically, as well as, you could say, symbolically, and I, I agree with him completely. Uh, one of the things that he did was refer to Buddhism, essentially, as a science. And I very much appreciated that. I, have for decades, have referred to uh, the Tibetan Buddhist teachings as psychology, as in Buddhist psychology after all my own background is in psychology and acupuncture. And uh, so I really always thought of the Tibetan worldview, Buddhist view as psychological because they're, they're master psychologists from my point of view. Uh, I'm wondering if you have found Uh, ways that are an advance to the you could say the technologies of the mandala etc that used to be utilized for awakening and enlightenment in today's modern technological world
2: yeah absolutely i work with quantum physics i mean my i i'm not a you know, I'm not like the Dalai Lama where I, I, I speak in terms of meditative technique or something like that. I actually work mm-hmm. with the realm of science. I work with physicists. I work with people who work in energetic medicine. And I help you yeah. develop yeah. sciences on the planet so that we can, and more, more or less they're not here in the United States. More of them are in Germany and Europe and in other areas Russia. of the world. They can actually yeah. develop sciences, but they are being developed. And what they're finding yeah. is that they can actually, they're working in quantum physics to where they can actually work in relationship to energetic field understanding so that they can not only work with the healing of the individual, but they can work with the healing of masses of people or objects and places, you know, changing things. So we found that in ancient times they built, sacred temples in in geometric forms in order to work with the energy of the earth to allow the earth to have a higher chi and vitality which would also include humanity to have a higher and clearer mind to collectively be more peaceful and more harmless so by using a science that develops sacred geomancy that has kind of been held back throughout history but now is being redeveloped in India, the major masters of India today, since 1980, have decided that the highest form of meditation is in a pyramid. So they built the world's largest meditation pyramid in a place called Pyramid Valley in India. And call it mm. Buddha Maitreya's Meditation Pyramid. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? That's and great. they called me. They, they, they called me just the other day and because I'm Buddha uh-huh. Maitreya and asked me to come there and initiate their process of their relationship of planetary healing using this enormously large pyramid and hundreds of thousands of people massively meditating and focusing through the pyramid to heal the planet and change the discernment and discrimination inside of humanity. Now, that's a science. That's so beautiful. a new governing process where the hierarchy is in charge and not, humanity's relationship to leaders that come and go and just have greed and their own desires being fulfilled.
1: Yes, exactly. Going beyond and uh, transcending the momentary glamour, as you well put it. Uh, I agree. I, exactly. I'm awed by that and I, in my own experience, Buddha Maitreya, I would just say I'm wholly aligned with the importance of the science of the pyramid, the science of sacred geometry and geomancy. And uh, I know that these resonance uh, fields, the morphogenetic fields, the chi fields, you're referring to is really, quote-unquote, where it's at in terms of shifting consciousness because I, I, you and I have to sit down and talk sometimes, <laughs> sort of off I've been involved in energy medicine for years, and some pretty sophisticated uh, technology that through the nervous system essentially reads the energy fields, and I'm, you know, that's really how we support A Better World Media is through my individual uh, consultations with people where my system does read the energy field and lets me know both mind, consciousness, and body, uh, what's going on and what kind of uh, energies are balanced and are not. So I I wholly um, embrace uh, the thoughts that you're um, that you're putting out there. I think it's uh, I think it's so important. I've also come across something called higher brain learning, higher brain living, and a few other really interesting technologies found in neuroscience that I feel is helping to move us from the reptilian function where fear and greed and the like and you know fight and flight live to like the work that Dr. Richard Davidson is doing with Tibetan monks as you well know I'm sure at University of Wisconsin of measuring gamma rays that are emanating from the prefrontal cortex showing that they're cultivating the higher level of human potential by activating different aspects of that part of their brain. Could you talk about that?
2: Yeah, it's true. um, uh, We have something here called brain state. Uh, It's... uh, it's brainwave yep. optimization, and it's a form of biofeedback that is the most advanced on the planet that actually monitors the EEG relationship and is able to yeah. biofeedback and run a scan on the entire process. We have other systems that are work, like Imago, that runs a scan through your energetic system and is able to do yeah. like what you were saying. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. Each one of these things, uh, like with the brain state, if you're developing certain portions of the brain, like in this case, it's helping the back of the brain to work with the front of the brain, the sides of the brain to work with the other side. So it's bringing balance and harmony through the different spheres of the brain. And when that happens, it activates portions of the brain that allows higher levels of consciousness to begin opening up. Yeah? And that's... Mm. It's through that process that a great deal of our healing will take place. Plus, we'll become more aware of the fact that what it is that we're causing an enormous danger in the process of humanity by allowing uh, damage to happen to the brain. You know, like people who get hit in the head, people who play football, people who uh, do sports and get a concussion. We're we're slowing down the evolutionary link in process for people's evolution through this process of the brain being uh, damaged in this way. So until we, to generations and generations, time goes by, till we stop having a lack of moral responsibility to make sure that we don't allow people to go through this harmful reality of just beating the crap out of their brains... <laughs> You know, just because yeah. it's fun or it's a game or it's interesting to watch, but once we stop <laughs> yeah, once we stop that we'll we'll have a sense of what is morals inside of us because we're deciding what is really happening due to the cause of it, and then we'll be able to see the benefit of the developing of these brains and 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 the offshoots that go on from there, but I think one of the biggest things that is the The process for humanity is it's telepathic union between male and female. Mm. The telepathic union, love, the energy of love right now is represented in the energy of uh, having to fulfill a desire, a jealousy, an enviousness, a desire, a conquest, or something like that. And that's all emotional body. That's all a part of your solar plexus. It's not a part yeah. of your heart or your mind, yeah. And but it requires telepathy. It requires the healing ability of, like, being able to touch and heal, being able to uh, share chi back and forth. And say I'm a man and this is, is a woman, and as I'm a man, I have certain things about my beingness that that being as a woman does not have. But telepathically, we can share back and forth because we have empathy. We we have a sense yes. of love back and forth. That you have something I really love. That is not me, but it makes me me. It turns me, mm-hmm. me.
1: as though yeah. so completing the completing uh, the female. Com- <laughs> pleading exactly the male and the male the female absolutely it's funny Buddha Maitreya you must have been reading my mind because talk about telepathy because I was just looking at the name of your wife Mandara Tara here Mandarava Tara and I was meaning to ask you uh, because this is of course uh, quite a departure from the usual interpretation of Buddhist monastic life to be married. And you are married. I was wondering, uh, how do you explain that? I mean, you just did explain it, frankly. But you also have monks and nuns around you who I'm imagining, I don't know, are not married. So how does all that work? Because I'm a tremendous believer in love and all the different ways in which love manifests in emotional, deep heart, spiritual as well as sexual. So I was wondering how that all plays out in your current uh, uh, perspective.
2: Well, I believe the beginning of love starts in fellowship, yeah, by being able to trust and uh, like and discern, discriminate, have energies that do pass back and forth and become friends yeah yes. learn to trust each other, share for each other, learn what it is about that about this person, this other person, and appreciate the male-female differences. yeah mm-hmm. learn to really yes. appreciate things like you would your brother or your sister, you know, but you allow them to grow as a as a unit, as an energy of fellowship. you know so I believe yes. that as as all of us, we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to create maturity. And we don't jump into the highest level of that process. We start off from the beginning, and we learn to like each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. We learn to be friends. We learn to be able to cooperate. Yes. We learn to be able to not, uh, you know, tear another person down, find fault in another person, do all these things. You know, right. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. We just shouldn't be doing that. Yeah? But if yes. we can... Actually, if we can actually energetically not have this lower subconscious process of who's more powerful, male or female, uh, who's the weakest of us two, male or female, when we can Mm. finally get rid of that and we can find that we actually are close friends, loving, cooperative friends, we need each other and we want to support each other to be as healthy and beautiful as we possibly can, that may take a few lives in order to get that done. I know reincarnation exists, so I'm not yes. asking people to go, okay, uh, you'll spend six years in not having sex, another six years in dating, another six years in finding the one you want to be with. You know, <laughs> work like that, you know? You know it takes yes. a long time just to be a friend, to work yes. out process between men and women I believe is the number one thing in the world and that that is the mm. number one thing causing the problem in the world that without this telepathy we do not have morals without this telepathy we simply cannot contrically, We contrically and an energy that comes between men and women that creates society itself creates the culture of society itself, the laws, the morals everything that we have in society is all built on the telepathy between men and women. So if we create a separation and men want to go off and be women and women want to go off and be men and we want to change our genetic process to be who knows what we want to be and, and just complete uh-huh. our process of our direction of what our path is, when our path and really is to find out about ourselves and self-realization and love and be able to represent the true being that you are incarnated as and allow that being to surface as a telepathic representative of either male or female. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense, and it, it's beautiful to hear. And, you know, I, I fully wholeheartedly agree with you. As someone who does a lot of couples counseling and has been involved in uh, both the Tibetan and uh, Taoist traditions, frankly, uh, the idea of the masculine and the feminine is really, uh, from the tantric and Taoist sexual point of view, of highest importance. And of course, the sexual is not only physical at all, as you were really implying, It's actually deeply spiritual and uncovering the polarity, the difference between um, masculine and feminine, and appreciating the distinctions. But it's also that place where we come together. And you described it as telepathic, and I think that's a beautiful beautiful way of doing it. This also, just uh, from the point of view of psychotherapy, Buddha Maitreya, and I think you'd agree, forms the basis of the anger and the envy and the and the disruption of consciousness when man and woman are not at rest and aligned with each other becomes the basis of all of the violence and conflict that we have in this world. There's That's not right. the proper right uh, not the proper recognition of the sacredness of both poles. Yeah. And then you know, it gets taken out on everybody else, you know? I honestly look at the leaders of state and the captains of industry, and I look at it essentially psychologically and spiritually and say, these men largely, some women, but largely men, are just not personally, emotionally, psychologically, and of course then spiritually, resolved with their mother or with their sister, or with their own feminine aspect, or with their wives. And as a result, they go underground, if you will, with that energy, and it gets
0: expressed
1: in these conflicted ways that are bringing our beautiful Mother Earth down, if you will. And it's really a violence against the Earth herself as the ultimate mother, on you know, planetarily. Does that make sense to
2: you? Oh, absolutely. Separation, uh, the creation of separation is an astral influence. Yeah? Mm, the, the interesting. Influence, the humanity has the ability, very strong ability in lower mind, to have very strong emotional opinions. Yes. And when these emotional opinions come into play, they are inverted. They have a left spin to them, and they're very self-centered. And that increase of self-centeredness creates separation, prejudice, bias, hate, distrust, just the element of glamour and vice. So it it moves the person to become more and more self-centered. In doing that, they create a law, a law of hate that they begin to live by, that it literally permeates not only humanity, but it will permeate all the animals and all the vegetables Mm. and all the And we will have problems with the earth. We will have problems with the weather. We will have problems with being able to distinguish what it is that's causing these problems. Even if we are causing it, we won't be able to distinguish what's causing it. Because we are veiled by the process of our hate. And as that inner separation is, is manifested, we create what's known as an astral plane. And the astral plane does not exist, it's only existed to the expression of the lower mind and self centeredness to the energy of the human race, to separation of male and female. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and of course it makes sense and it's uh I think it's right on I think it's right on and we're getting you could say down to the core of the issues of consciousness that has created the world the way it is the externalization a word I know you use and I agree with it it's so much the out picturing as the metaphysical uh texts say of our own inner picture and uh it's a sad situation in so many ways so I would really love, uh, you know, to uncover from you before we sign off here. Uh, I would like to actually take a few more minutes, if you can, uh, to uncover when you look forward for humanity's future, Buddha Maitreya, what is it that you see? And how are we going to get from here to there?
2: Super big-time change. Uh, it's like what I was saying about the pyramids, meditation, things of that order. With India yes. building large pyramids, and they do have very high initiates that do reincarnate and stay in the same continent. And yes. at this point in time, their reincarnation levels has increased considerably, and they're furthering a collective relationship to the avatar, which is Buddha Maitreya. And this is something that's well-known in, in all around the world, but it is a real fact that's taking place, and I believe that it's affecting the world in ways in which people do not understand. Like the building of the electric car. How is it possible that all these electric cars are coming out from nowhere and we have all kinds of new advances that are coming out from nowhere as though, you know, It's a workable scenario, as though someone said, okay, yeah, let's do electric cars. Somebody's going to buy them. Let's do this. Something in the consciousness, in the head of GM and in others, actually hit them so hard that as individuals, they were woken up by the meditation skills that were taking place in these meditations and the awakenings of humanity. So people inside of humanity that are doing their jobs, that seem to be stuck and not able to move forward and make changes, are being affected by the collective vibrations that are being held together as a healing effect to these meditation pyramids, and they're affecting the masses of people who are in charge of the material plane.
3: Businesses,
2: even, even the relationship of sports is going to be affected. The consciousness relationship of sports is going to relate to the reality of revelation, which means mm. we may not want to stop. We may not want to stop boxing and, and and doing things like that, you know, but when it comes to reality and we realize that nearly every single person in football is now suing the NFL for previous yeah. damages that has happened to their body because they weren't told that these damages were going to be lifelong and ruin their yes. life and, and they're only hoping that they'll tell everybody now so that they'll stop getting into that process. Yeah? So something is awakening. Something in the revealing area is awakening the process inside of humanity. And I believe that it's the science of redemption. And that science of redemption is just now, right now, I'm going back to India to sit in these pyramids and this is Actually, opening up a large, large area of healing for the planet. And here I'm now on the radio talking with you. And that's opening yes. up the opportunity for people to have a realization Christ reincarnates, Buddha is reincarnating. Yes. And he's not yes. talking religion. Yeah, he's not right. asking us to go be Buddhist or go off and be a Christian or something. He's actually helping right. things out. And he's really got it together when it comes down to things where science comes in. Yes. All (laughs) of these things are are revelations to the science of the time that's going to become known to humanity. And as it becomes more and more known, more and more people will take an active part in actually stopping their harmful activities by taking on the science of redemption. That'll, be mean, that'll mean meditation or, you know, uh, you know, just working in the process of using their right use of healing, their right use of diet, their right use of what kind of house am I going to buy? Am I going to get solar this year? Or am I going to get an electric car? All those decisions are changing in the hearts of humanity. Am I going to get tattoos anymore? Or am I going to take these darn things off? You know, mm. all those things yeah. are going to shift. From, yeah. It's crazy in the unhealthy zone that we're in today, but as it gets healthy in the healing crisis of it, we're going to start seeing major changes in the process that what we have is a major healing unhealthiness is going to be transformed, transmuted, and transcended into a healthy society.
0: Wow, I was going to
1: say from your mouth to God's ears, but I guess it's in one and the same system. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love all that you're saying. Uh, I'm always kind of looking at my watch and I'm saying, yeah, I'm expecting this, but when? When? Who is it that's going to be waking up when to take you know, the bull by the horn, so to speak, and make this happen. I mean, God knows there are many of us, Buddha Maitreya, who have been on this path for decades and beyond, lifetimes. And yet, yet, for instance, just this past Monday, two days ago, which happened to be my birthday, this was my birthday present to the world, interviewing the director and producer of a film called Water Wars, which, by the way focused on the conflict largely between India and Bangladesh around water. Mm-hmm. And the Indians are looking to reroute water around Bangladesh that mm-hmm. will basically create mm-hmm. ongoing droughts.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you when you know the seriousness. You are deeply connected. I know. I feel it. Mm-hmm. And I I love this. I, I, I really do. Look forward to our sitting down and, as we say in Chinese, having a, a proper world level schmooze about these things. Because your love of uh, the your love of uh, the green technology and the electric car, well, you know, I think some of your um, students and cohorts have already told you that I helped to start an electric motor company, and uh, I'm very deeply involved in the promulgation, the promotion, and the letting the world know about this technology, because it really goes beyond what we have as the Tesla and beyond. It's awesome stuff, and I will share it with you. But this is just an example of the many efforts we need to make as a humanity to turn this crazy situation around. Please tell me, when, how, I know you've already outlined some of it, having to do with pyramid science, etc., but it seems to me that we need to kind of push the river. I don't like that phrase, really, but you know what I mean. Accelerate the process.
2: Well, I believe that that every incarnation of the avatar is an event. And the, the yes. avatar actually carries the future light of the world. It doesn't carry yes. karma and blame and, you know, uh, distrust toward humanity to make changes. And it isn't there to actually force change. But in the future, the process of change is inevitable, and the process of the evolution that the avatar continues to make for the planet has an outcome, and the avatar can actually see that, and in this cycle of time, as I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, the process that I'm part of, like developing mm-hmm. the electric and all of this and ending yes. all the problems that we've got going on, all of that is part of the transmission that's coming from the avatar, so we're all like-minded, we all have, we all want Christ consciousness we all yes. want Buddha understanding, you know, we want to be enlightened well, we're going to get that's that right. Christ. We're going to get that through the light that's radiating out of Christ. So more people, like right now, listening, they're going, wow, is that, can that be possible? You know, just the linking of that possibility is enough to bring enough light into that person to make a major world change
0: mm. for the betterment of yes.
2: they're, they're all their incarnations in their future, all their incarnations. Because my work is that I redeem people from previous incarnations. So it frees them up. Please explain. To
0: make I,
1: to
2: not
3: I'm have glad a you
1: brought that up. What, you used the word redemption before. It's a very powerful word largely associated with Christian thinking. Could you explain what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, redemption? there's a science to everything. And just on left spin, right yes. spin, energetics, all of that, there's a science to everything. Sure. And Christ Surely. kind of holds the middle line of that light so that Wherever, like if you uh, treat something with a homeopathic, that homeopathic will work for the person because it actually is similar to many of the things that are wrong with the person. So the better yes. the similar, the better, more effective it will be. Well, in my state, here I'm incarnated. It's now 2014, and I'm totally connected to the representation of the planet, people, and the circumstances that are on the planet right here and now. So, this yes. is very close as a vibration of similar to our given reality that we're in. So, as I'm teaching, yeah. as I'm radiating, as I put out all my tools, and I put out this monastery here in Northern California, which is extremely large, a large pyramid, meditation center, and it's a healing center for directing the pyramid energy of Christ into the earth and out to people. Yeah? So, more and more of this energy is actually scientifically, energetically being applied on a planetary level for me to actually transmit through. So through that science, I'm able to facilitate, which could never be facilitated before, the science of redemption. And that allows so, people, people who aren't asking for it, are going to get redeemed. People so, are not they- asking
0: That's so interesting, but
1: what presupposes, you you didn't use the word enlightenment as in going toward a a future state that occurs in the present. You're talking about redemption, which relates to actions from the past that need to be redeemed. Is that the Christian notion of karma?
2: Oh, it's a kind of a Christian notion of karma, but it's more of a process of our subconscious. It's connected to a process where it actually controls our habits. It controls our desires. It controls our belief systems, what we see and what we Mm want to see, yeah? So that's in the subconscious level, and that has a lot to do with our lower mind, not our higher mind, yeah? Mm -hmm. So those subconscious things could be in a state of relative relationship to previous incarnation or even Mm -hmm. things that happened in this incarnation that are bad karma or events, that still holds in that person's subconscious mind. So they can't move forward. They cannot be healed. They cannot change. They can't evolve forward. So in my work, people have found by using what I call an etheric weaver, which is a crystal that dangles, and it it just sets up an energy field for the person. When they use that or use the meditation tools or whatever I, I put out, it actually vibrates so strong in the person that they immediately go into a state of meditation, and the energy that's locked into there in their subconscious is imperiled. It's a, a a vice of energy that is has imperiled them from their previous either previous life or previous period in life. Yeah, so that imperil is stuck in their vibration, and it's a left spin. The energy that I'm putting out. It puts, it allows them to be a soul healer within themselves, to radiate mm-hmm. enough inside their soul so that they defend themselves in a way they become what I call a shambala warrior. And yeah. inside them, they are in Shambhala. Inside them, they are with the Christ. He is incarnated, and so are they. And they are working hand in hand on the change of evolution toward enlightenment, toward everybody and everything. And it's common sense. It's not some religious dogma. It's an awakening of more and more common sense by the redemption of this imperil. And that allows, when the imperil is released, it allows light in and it allows light to permeate the physical matter of anything. So you can take any physical object, and if you're holy enough, you can actually bless that object, and it could then mm-hmm. bless another person. So yes. that's the science of redemption.
1: Okay. So I'm I'm gathering, reading between the lines, that redemption is uh, relating to something that you could say is dark. Is uh, The word that kept coming to me here, Buddha Maitreya, is habituation, as in, you could say, negative habits from the past, whether it's this life or prior ones, that have become regularized, normalized, and it needs an upgrade. And your work, the Shambhala tools, uh, your presence, your working with your, your community allows for, facilitates an upgrade uh, which you could say is a redeeming process.
2: Yes. Changing vices in from glamours to virtues. Yeah. Got it. And it,
1: it got it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I very, very much appreciate this. We've run well over time. It's okay. I've actually got the time, and I'm so happy to make it available to you uh, and uh, for our listening audience. I'm I'm deeply grateful for this. I, I cannot possibly let you go without some word about this community in Lake County, one of the most beautiful places I have seen, uh, wine country, etc. Could you tell us what is it that you've got going there in Lake County? Uh, tell us about your, your center
2: there. Well, um, my wife and I have been living here for a long time, it was this area we both were drawn to. Uh, we're both tukus. My wife is a, a recognized uh, reincarnation tuku through Tibetan Buddhism. Mm. You know, and that's one of the ways in which we met. You know, was similar. Why am that. I
1: not surprised? Yes. How did you oh. meet? A, a, a tuku dating site? I'm yeah. Kidding. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <through>
2: telepathy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. Hot uh, yes, harmony. But yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> so we were
2: both drawn to the same place and on the very day that I was to uh present myself and allow people to know that, okay, I'm the incarnation of this person and now I'm gonna begin my teachings and I'm gonna to go to Tibet, start the enthronements and do all this stuff. It was Mandaraba yes. who was my stu- who was the person who appeared Came there to be the student and is actually the only person who showed up in order to receive oh. the. Yeah, so I <laughs> sat there with her and gave my entire teachings to her, and you know from that point on we have been together. Yeah, so That's beautiful. He, yeah, it is pretty awesome. And she's gone through yeah. all the enthronements with me, all to Tibet, everything we've ever done. We've done it together. And it finally came to a time to where instead of doing monasteries in Tibet, instead of being recognized as uh, Buddha from India, I'd rather yes. have been recognized as someone who I am, where I'm from, and in the form that I wanted to take, which is always sacred yes. geomancy, the pyramid and everything. So we sure. decided that we would focus on an impossible mission <laughs> of getting a large <laughs> amount of land, which we did. We got 360 acres on the top of the mountain of Kelseyville. And mm. we, we built the most extreme, incredible uh, planetary healing center that you'll ever see. And it's called Chimbala. Oh. Chambala Monastery it has a very large pyramid (laughs) right smack in the center of it and it has six pyramids surrounding it and they have monolithic domes that are inside the pyramids that go underground connecting tunnels to all the different pyramids to the center pyramid Yeah, and this all sits on a perfect round slab so everything is in a, a perfect sacred geometric form of a six pointed star
0: Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: that is yeah. And awesome. And we, we've got we've got the most beautiful animals, the most beautiful air, the most beautiful lake. It's the second oldest lake in the world, is Clear Lake. Yeah. So, and that's a guess because they can't really tell whether it's Siberia or Clear Lake. You know. <laughs> and so, yeah, being the second <laughs> oldest, we're talking dinosaurs yes. walked here last. Uh, ancient yeah. land is here, undisturbed energy of the earth is here Uh, a volcano that is so old it's just amazing is right Mm. there across the way from us and our mountain is called bottle rock because the the volcano blew up so much bottle rock it completely covered our mountain so everything on Mm. top of our mountain is bottle rock
1: interesting interesting Oh, that is just you selected. I'm thinking, I'm just kind of contemplating the fact that you have 360 acres. It's 360 degrees of a perfect circle. It's as though you have situated this this Shambhala in a perfect mandala.
2: Yeah, for planetary healing and aligning our relationship to our sacredness as a planet in representation of how we will see this in the future so that we will build all cities, towns, our homes, our families, all our relationships based on our spirituality. Right now, we have a problem. Like if we have major floods and everything, we keep going back and building the same site. If we have tornadoes, we don't care how many tornadoes there are. We'll build another trailer home right there. Do it again. Yes. Yes. We'll do the same thing in Mississippi. We'll do the same thing in Florida. But as consciousness develops, spirituality develops, it develops our compassion to actually have a moral decision that we will move everything inland and allow there to be dunes and allow there to be marshes and allow there to be back all the natural processes, miles inland, miles going out to the sea, and all the areas where the water may build up, Those places, we are going to start making decisions that cooperate with the earth without money being involved. And when we do that, we'll find that we were actually saving ourselves so much in our spirituality that we'll start building more sacred reality. Like I'm building pyramids. I'm doing that because I've been doing this for millions of years, not just Mm -hmm. a people. So it's going to take people a while. To catch up, but they're yes. they're right on the yeah. same path as I am, so I'm lending yes. all of my dir- directive energy that I'm setting forth into humanity so when they do make these discerning decisions, they will be able to make them very quickly and be able to choose things that are morally right.
0: Oh,
1: gosh. I am so pleased <laughs> to hear this. <laughs> because we've been on such a digressive path for so long, and in some ways we're working through our our stuff as a humanity, and uh, uh, my concern is that our beautiful animals and so many species which are, are being rendered extinct literally by the day, Buddha Maitreya, you know, how are we going to make it? Are we going to be able to move through and adapt to a new circumstance because we have shifted with global warming and now climate change to such an extent? I mean, the permafrost is melting, which would then allow for the uh, for the um, liberation, if you will, of methane. Methane just uh, just dwarfs the effect of CO2 in terms of global warming. What, what you, where do we really stand in respect to shifting the ecosystem intelligence after the damage that we have done?
2: It's all about discernment and discrimination, and through evolution, we have to go through ridiculously disastrous processes of technology in order to get to the next level. We have to go through coal. We have to go through fossil fuel. We have to go through all these yeah. ridiculous processes, and each one leads us to another one. But they leave behind enormous footprint in the process yeah. of, Is that a good idea? Should we have stopped much earlier? You know, uh, maybe yes. we could have saved the earth, you know, kind of thing. That's my place, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. We're very much on, always on the edge and that we're always in the process of not knowing that we really are the caretakers and that we are going to take care of this. Now, we're not just the people destroying it, but we are the people who are going to take care of it. But what we don't know is that the avatar incarnates in order to raise our consciousness up especially during a time when it seems to be the lowest. Yeah. And then when that happens, a healing crisis is in the process. That could go on for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It looks like it's really bad, yeah? But on top of that, the healing energy is coming in and creates a transfiguration. Imagine the process where Here we are, we have a soul, and we reincarnate. We have to bring this soul with us. We take it back We put it into another body. It builds another body. It reincarnates, and now we're off as a baby, as a child, as a person growing up, and we're having to recapitulate our entire life, working out the fact that we haven't figured out that we've got a soul. We don't know how to maintain it while we're physically in a body. (laughs) We have to freaking die
0: in order to go
2: from one life to the next. Yes. Through the science of redemption, it is my belief system. Through the science of redemption, we actually we lengthen the amount of time we have in our life because we're using the energy of the soul that's waking us up. As that energy wakes us up, it transfigures the influences of many things that we're doing wrong in the world. We start making decisions that make a lot of sense, and they're not based on the projected process of ignorance. That most people are, are still maintaining, yeah. It's projected mm-hmm. on my line. It's projected more on the possibility that people are going to receive a point of enlightenment in their higher mind that is their soul, literally their soul. Mm-hmm. Instead of dying tomorrow, which let's say you have a birthday, you may have a death day. You may have a day that yeah. is a day you're supposed to die. You just may. And mm-hmm. in that process, what if? All of a sudden you started meditating, you changed your diet, you moved to a better and safer place, you make these decisions because your soul makes these decisions and it lengthens your life because you're not in situations that will take your life at a quicker stance. Every stance, everything that we're doing in that way increases the amount of light that is on our soul that comes into our body. As we evolve, this light becomes monadic. And we don't even know what monad means. Most people have no idea. When I say monad, they're going, what? What does that mean? And monad's yes. God. You know, monad is the mind of God. Monad is where Christ's talking. That's monad. Yeah?
3: Mm-hmm. When,
2: and all the things I say we should be healing, that's about the soul. But how mm-hmm. we're going to heal those things is through the mind of God. So mm-hmm. I through the science of redemption. God moves through and actually transforms and transfigures daily life through a process of change and in doing that lengthens the life of people, changing the process from reincarnation to regeneration. Does that make mm, sense?
0: Yes
1: it does. That's a new energy yes, and so the an
2: energy that we will take and be able to work with in our lives and we'll we'll witness people going from a life of 80 years to 180 years. yeah. And we're going to see that mainly because they're not living on the coast, they didn't get sucked sucked up by a tornado, and they're not dying of AIDS, and they had loving conditions that changed in their life that were bad conditions of habits. And as those things changed and then they die and reincarnate, they built a new body that has vitality and a soul in it, that came from the previous body, so say 50 years from now, that, that person now reincarnated and they're bringing into the world liberated abilities to soulfully illuminate the planet quicker. So this regenerates the planet at a much faster pace rather than the process of us not learning, maintaining the same old habits, dying, and then continuing it when we get back. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It does yeah. make sense. In
2: so some way, it's... We are not only going to change things, but we're going to lengthen our lives to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And in doing so, we're going to save all the animals. We're going to save the ocean. We're going to save all the lakes. We're going to save everything because we're not... Our reason for having to die is bad karma. Does that make sense? Mm, yes. I, That energy of impurity is passing into the earth and into our activities. Yes. It's causing disaster. And as we do these things in the right way, we will get the benefit of living longer and having less bad karma, and we will have good karma. That good karma will ring into the energy of vibration of Dharma, and that will manifest into the healing of the planet in the metaphysical way, so we'll see that we are and the planet is metaphysical, and we will live by laws of the metaphysical truth how's that yeah mm. uh,
1: yeah, uh sign me up <laughs> you know, i'm you know, uh you are in effect putting forward um an ancient idea which shouldn't surprise us of physical immortality, and that mortality is essentially a thought form that. Is generated out of karmic thinking and karma itself.
2: Out of impurity. Imperil and impurity impurity creates a left spin. And we're going to learn through the science of energetics that there is such a thing as a left spin. And if you can revitalize the person, you can only do it by creating balance. When you do that, there's a natural person, an energy of soulful activity inside the person that reactivates the healing process. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's transfiguration or transfiguration or transformation. But it requires a yes. soul to do this. But the monad extends life, and the monad gives you ideas. The monad is the mind of God.
0: Yeah? The mind of it's God, yes.
2: It tells you, oh, wow, I, I can't vote for that person, and I can telepathically represent my idea as to why I wouldn't do that, and that would absolutely affect the raising up of large masses of people to see things correctly. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Yes, it does. What I mean, this may sound funny, Buddha Maitreya, but what if we all were redeemed Mm -hmm. and saw more clearly the effects of our actions, even our thoughts, on the larger ecosphere and we cleaned these up through many of the things that you were speaking of, from diet to actions in the world and being sustainable and living according to renewable resources distinct from the fossilized ideas, (laughs) and they are fossilized. Uh, What would we do relative to world population, human population? If we were all then really going to live for hundreds of years.
2: Well, imagine um, if you live uh, for another four or five hundred years and yes. you've already lived for uh, uh, your previous life was 350, you know, and so that means that you really cut back the number of people that's going to be on the planet. You cut back you coming back onto the planet. And as that. Yes. Manifest in larger numbers into the whole human race because we're going to develop a science. That science is going to be known as metatronics,
3: and that mm-hmm. it's going to
2: be based on the angelic reality of energetic, monadic influences inside of humanity that actually are the healing premise of our entire planet. And we're going to come to this. We are actually going to come to this. And our computers are going to bring us to this understanding. So it's literally going to be the thing that's going to lengthen our lives, but it's going to save our planet. And in that process, we aren't going to take as many incarnations, and we're also going to not have the incredible desire body that goes on to have to have many children all the time. You may mm-hmm. live 500 years, and you may never have a child. You may never mm-hmm. get- you may never have a relationship in that way. You may just be yes. the most loving, friendly, joyful person anybody could ever meet, and everybody loves to have you around, and you have really intimate, good relationships. But you don't have to put these into binding scenarios because we're, right now we're stuck on a timeline of death. We only have so much time. Everybody's got a clock. You know, you better get that baby out. You better have your marriage happen. You better get your career together. You better get ready for retirement. And then you die. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not much can go on there. So we're going to fill this planet up with a lot of people that have absolutely nothing to do
0: other than just
2: make babies, procreate. Yes. And that's what we've done. Yes. And that's going to change. I understand. It'll be a natural outcome where we will slowly but surely, but very surely – we will slow down the number of incarnations onto the planet by choice and yes. we will simply have such a small number of people on this planet living in the most pristine locations you could ever imagine yeah and and, and, and in ways that will be so economic economics and ecology will be exactly the same thing yes makes sense yes it will be yes
0: it does
1: yeah, I do get it, of, of course. Profit. You could say that, uh, you know, our lives will be much longer, much more extended, but the number of us will be fewer.
2: Yeah, by uh, you know, over half.
1: Geometric. As time goes yeah.
2: on, it will go down, 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 down. It won't go up, up, yes. up, up. It'll yes, yes, going.
1: yes, I understand. What What is the... Uh, a question that you know, I'm so running over but I, I, I just am so interested in what you're sharing with us here and I'm sure the audience as well. I'm I continue just like we're going to extend our lives, I'm extending this radio show with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what about the conversation regarding life on intelligent life? on other planets, and uh, sometimes I hope it's a good deal more intelligent than what we've got here, you know, like Lily Tomlin's wonderful Broadway show, Queries. But what do we do in terms of our relationship, let's say, to other sentient life, but from other star systems or galaxies? Do you see that as part of our future?
2: Uh Absolutely. Um, The the premise of metatronics, the science of metatronics is based on the reality that God created everything in in a big moment, yeah? And everything, all of everything is all included in that process of God's creation. So, time, past, present, everything is all collectively in there. And there is so much out there in space, in the whole process. So, part of my process here in Shambhala is that, We built pyramids, and, yeah, we're working on meditation and everything, but I also work, I'm already working in metatronics. I already am advanced in the process of communicating on outside of our planet, yeah? And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I'm talking to extraterrestrials or anything, but I know that extraterrestrials aren't going to talk on a CB radio, and they're not going to come here and speak English or any other language, yeah? If they do, who knows? But I do right. know that telepathy is a real reality, and that if mm-hmm. there is a species of evolution out there, whether it be small, mineral, all the way to vegetable, into the higher kingdoms, it is all involved in the telepathic process for its furtherance. Yeah. So we all yeah. are collectively together in this cosmic reality. Yeah. We mm-hmm. all are. Yeah. And you know, yeah, this uh, process of our evolution and the process of our consciousness is involved in sharing our consciousness out into the universe. So it's not so much, I believe, in us getting in a spaceship or spaceships coming to us, but through metatronics and through telepathy and through the process of radiosonic energy, our ability to transmit telepathy, it goes beyond time and space. So yeah. if... Reach the truth, and every bit of truth that we reach, and every bit of truth that we uncover and unveil, it radiates out into the universe, and it becomes part of the package of evolution. And we get disconnected. Yep. Are we still there? Yeah.
1: No, no, no. We're not disconnected. Right. No, no. We're very, very connected, actually.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, with, in respect to the many. People who are following uh, the Buddhist path all the way going back to the historical Buddha uh, that has now of course uh, manifested in so many ways, of course it began in India as a subset, if you will, of the Vedic wisdom and teachings then uh, radiated uh, and has tentacles to Tibet, of course, China, Japan, Korea, Cambodia, Thailand all over the world, Zen, Chan, American Buddhism. Uh, When you tell people that you are the living Buddha, who have been on the path, what has been the reaction? What has been your experience of that moment?
2: Yeah, I normally don't run around and just introduce myself in that way, you know, it's much more, <laughs> yeah. you know, casual. Yes. Nobody really knows who <laughs> right. I am. I'm just a normal guy, you know. But right. in this process, it's it's usually been a process of people, like in your case, you're much more aware and you're connected, yeah. But yeah. it has been uh, a real process for a lot of people. It's been a real process for the Dalai Lama. It's been a real process for for Many different uh, areas You know in, yes. in, in, in the process of Buddhism You know so yes. Like in the Dalai Lama's case You know you would think yes. the Dalai Lama would be on board And like hanging out with me And he would yes. tell people that I'm here But he really yes. can't You know his process mm. is that He is a Tibetan politician And he's yes. very much Sanctioned inside of a belief system So there's another group there is, inside of Tibetan Buddhism, there is a whole other group of people who are Buddhists that actually are telepathic and connect directly with the lineage of Buddha. And then there mm. are people directly with the relationship of Tibetan Buddhism and the what they believe the reincarnation of certain people are, like the Dalai Lama. Mm. And, yeah? You know, yeah. So that's... I've had problems there but never anything negative. I've never really had any outcome of any negative process as I tell people who I am. It's always just been really, yeah, and then I just That's go on the block and, and it doesn't seem to shock anybody to any negative way.
1: Yes. Well, I'm really glad to hear that and I you know when I entered this Uh, with you, and I was contemplating it ahead of time, I said to myself, and really the interview itself bears it out, I said while of course I've got to begin with some questions regarding this identity, which is awesome, on one hand, on the other hand, there is also the very fundamental Buddhist notion that has come to us largely, but not only through Zen, which is, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. (laughs) (laughs) I.e., have no idols, my friends. Have no idols. Recognize Buddha nature inside yourself. And that's what the Buddha, the awakened one, really wants. That all sentient life, all humanity, Recognizes their own Buddha nature, and I decided that that was truly the most important aspect of anything that we could talk about, as well as what you think are the fundamental points that we as a humanity really need to reflect on and embody and integrate into our lives, the subject at hand of who we are and what we're doing to create a better world, to create, as you so well put it, a Shambhala. So I want to just thank you from the depth of my heart, Buddha Maitreya, for sharing your your love and your wisdom with us today. Thank uh, you. It's a true blessing, sure. If people would want to visit your Shambhala, uh, is that a possibility? Can people come? What is your, what is your recommendation here?
2: Well, it's a meditation center, and we, we do have, uh, we provide the opportunity for people to come here. We have a healing clinic that uses all the advanced energetic uh, tools that I brought in, you know, technologies from from Germany and Europe, other parts of the world, and the uh, yes. brains technology, and all of that is here, so people can actually call and make an appointment to, uh, to be a part of any of those services. And when they get here, uh-huh. the yeah. whole area, the pyramids and everything are very, very powerful, and the clinic is inside of a pyramid, yeah, so mm-hmm. everything is inside pyramids, so awesome. whatever influence you're going to get is coming from that, and then yes. we also have a process to where I have six domes. One of them is a clinic. One of them is a sangha dome. One of them is used to make all the tools and everything. But we have other domes that we're still in process of completing and making ready for people to come and go on retreats and be here for, say, a week at a time and go through the process of what I call soul therapy, where they go through meditation, they go through the healing tools, they, they go through the process of being on the land and receive the kind of food that we put out, which is very balanced and very healing, and learn about lifestyle, you know, using solar, electric uh-huh. cars, and all the things that we do here. I have an electric car. I won't drive a normal car. Yeah? And so uh-huh. everything here is an education for people, and it's available in that way, but it's always by appointment because it is a monastery. Yes. And we yes. don't. I don't take... Students to become disciples. I, I don't have like uh, 500 disciples here all running around in robes or something. I have <laughs> okay. between 11 and 13 people that are from America and Europe that have been with me for up to 20 years, all friends and very close uh, connected who would come to every darshan I would ever give or would go on any teaching that I would give so I decided, you guys, you know, I mean, you're always wanting to do this. Why don't we all get together, and you can help me make tools, and you can help me with the service. And so we all did that, called sangha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I
0: created yes. a
2: small sangha of around 13 people, and these people are are they are all monks and nuns, and they serve in that way. So I, this whole monastery is their place. Yeah. Yes. It's a place for me to teach and ask, offer as a service, but it's really their monastery. So when people come, they have to, you know, call, make an appointment, and we got to find time for one of these people to show them around and help them out because these are some busy monks and nuns. <laughs>
1: yes,
2: yeah. the urban monk like...
1: and nun, twenty-first yeah. century monk and nun.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shambhala monks I and nuns, warriors. Sure. They are actively intelligent.
1: (laughs) Well, the contact I've had so far, Buddha Maitreya, has been wonderful, truly, with the people that I've spoken with. They've been profoundly helpful and very attentive and mindful through the process of my preparing to meet you here and uh, caretaking. It's been very, very uh, wonderful and I very much appreciate it, and if it's some reflection of what it's like to be there uh, at the monastery, at your retreat center in person, uh, it would bode well for anyone to come and uh, make an appointment and spend some time there in this beautiful, obviously, radiant healing energy. So, I want to just Thank you again for being a guest today on A Better World, and I really hope the audience enjoyed this as much as I did. And uh, I would really love to speak with you about having you as a guest on again, and uh, perhaps if we, or when, I should say we do sit down in person, uh, we can also do uh, a television program as well.
2: Great. That would be great.
1: Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. The well, give a website if you would in closing, and uh, what where would you like to direct people who are listening?
2: Yeah, Tools dot com. Okay, all, all wonderful. Yep,
1: all one big good word. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you again, Buddha Maitreya, so much for uh, sharing uh, your heart and soul with us. It's uh, got beautiful reverberations. People will be listening to this uh, in archive. It is at our website, www.abetterworld.tv. We'll surely send you the link. Feel free to use it in whatever way will help your your good world service. God bless. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks again.
2: Okay,
0: bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye now. Wow, that was uh, a longer than I expected interview, and a very rich one at that, and it needed to go on because there was so much, so much to share. This is Mitchell J. Rabin. I'm so glad you're joining us uh, today, and please pass this on, forward this to your friends and family and community and sangha and on and on and on. Uh, Your foes, you know, everyone to hear and tune in to uh, these words of wisdom, intelligence, and very plain-spoken uh, ideas that are very practical in all of our lives about altering our lifestyle, of getting in accordance with the earth energy, of connecting to the uh, telepathic nature of us all, especially in relation to those we are closest with, that we live with our partners, our lovers, our, our spouses, our friends, and the importance of that and being one in harmony with the renewable and sustainable nature of life on Earth that appears so impermanent and yet has a level of potential permanence if we can, you could say, clean up our act in all the interesting ways that Buddha Maitreya was just sharing with us. There's a very down-to-earth quality I think you've experienced today as I did with Buddha Maitreya and honestly it makes good sense to me that that would be the way it is. Uh, The guru model uh, seems to be something of the past and I did not get that sense at all from our interview or from anything I have heard of him that he is really uh, so grounded and yet brings forth God knows wisdom that uh, reaches back in a way that uh, we, our ordinary consciousness really cannot relate to, but yet he transmits it in a way that is uh, you could say very friendly, very warm, very grounded, and uh, that's the way we humans can really metabolize it and make best use of it so uh, I want to just direct you all, if you haven't yet gone there, to a better You can also visit my website uh, that is directed toward healing and counseling and therapeutic healing as well as energetic. MitchellRabin.com. My name Mitchell M I T C H E L L Rabin, as in Arabin R A B I N.com, as well as for the newsletter and the archive, and many, many other radio shows that you can have the benefit for free of listening to at a TV. Please know we do accept donations. It's our way, as well as our uh, promotional commercial hat of keeping us on the air to provide these kinds of uh, shows with this kind of depth information to literally create a better world, to awaken humanity to another level of consciousness so we can avoid the pitfalls we are so quickly falling into, but to remember the words of Buddha Maitreya, we are actually moving evolutionarily toward a much more positive outcome and it was really heartening to hear him speak of that and Truly, I feel that way. But I become momentarily very disturbed when I see what human beings do to the Earth and to each other. It's a very natural reaction uh, when people are harming each other or harming our beautiful Mother Nature, Gaia herself, a living planetary intelligence. So with that, I just thank you again for being part of our A better world family it's truly an honor and a privilege to be of service to you all and uh, please again visit our sites as well as Shambhali healing tools.com I'm looking forward to going out to their community and uh, seeing it for myself and experiencing the energy field that they have created with the sacred geomancy and geometry and pyramids everywhere as Bruno Maitreya was describing. So beautiful. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all next week. Please continue on tuning in, spread the word, and I look forward to speaking to you then. Good night now. closing, let us not forget that this happens to be Vesak Day, Vesak Festival today, which means our interview with Buddha Maitreya
3: was absolutely auspicious.